Welcome back to the Fordham IPLJ podcast. I'm your online editor, Christina Sauerborn. This week, we're chatting with IPLJ's Volume 27 online editor and former host of the Fordham IPLJ podcast, Anthony Zangrillo. Anthony is now an associate with Weil Goschel in the firm's capital markets practice. As a staff member on IPLJ, Anthony wrote a blog post about Universal and Disney's arrangement regarding Marvel IP and theme parks. We chat about life as a first-year associate, Anthony's experience using MoviePass in the wake of their recent privacy controversy, and whether Universal and Disney might be revisiting the terms of their agreement in the wake of Black Panther's success. This is the final episode for the Volume 28 staff. Look out for some bonus content over the summer and another season of all new episodes this fall. Enjoy! Welcome back, Anthony. Good to have you back. Well, first of all, great to be back. But wow, 27. I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have gotten that. I want to be honest. I just subtracted <laughs> one from volume 28. It's honestly the only Roman numerals that I'm remembering right now. <laughs> That's true. So first off, thank you for carrying on my legacy. This has been a great, you know, the podcast. I've been trying to keep up with all the episodes. I think, as I could see being here... The equipment has gotten a lot better than from when I was uh, the online editor. That many of my guests that were on there, if we weren't doing it over the phone, it would just be like my laptop and I'd just start recording. So I could see the extra investment, which is great, because that means it's just going to keep going up and up and up. I don't know what next year, well, we already know who the next online editor is. We do, right? yeah. So um, so when this episode is episode's going to air, I think... Probably the end of May, but um, we're recording now in March, and uh, our incoming online editor for uh, Volume Twenty Nine is going to be Patrick Ho. Good He's, job again. Yeah, good. that I know, right? I'm so good. Just really, they say lawyers they, aren't good at math. I, you know, it's the one thing, the one thing <laughs> I'm doing well right now. But yeah, uh, Patrick is great. He's been working um, actually on the podcast all year. And we're very excited to see what he does the next season of the podcast. There's so. no pressure at all. <laughs> you can only go up, I really feel. That I was mean, my like... motto. <laughs> so I guess it worked. But we can, o- we can only get better. So, Anthony, you're, I guess, how long have you been, you've been working for a few months now. You just passed the bar. Congratulations. I'm, I'm admitted, so I'm officially a lawyer. Awesome. Congratulations. Get, that's a piece of advice. Try and get that out of the way as fast as possible because it's not really that bad of a process. It's just so great just to be fully admitted. Yeah. You don't want to be in a period of like you passed the bar, but you just didn't get admitted yet. I would, yeah. Like finishing all the documentation. Mm-hmm. But yes. Uh, so it's been like, I think it's been like half a year already because it started like September. And I think it's great. It's it's like, because uh, I would say, you know, we did the clinic. It was mm-hmm. my last semester. It was not your last semester. Right. Yeah. But I think that was great getting you, like, as a transition into, you know, actually working. Mm-hmm. That it's a nice little, like, buffer zone. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I I loved the clinic. I I mean, I worked a bit before going back to law school, but really, I, I thought the clinic was an amazing experience. So what did you, actually, I should ask, what do you feel like 
looking back now that you're out of law school, I guess, you can kind of look back and see the big picture. What do you feel like you learned that's been most useful in your few months working so far? I think one of the main things, I don't know if it's that you learn it. It's just like the mindset of, I think someone told me this maybe in college or something like that, of like being all in, like whatever you're doing. It's like, I mean, if you ask, I don't want to say I taught myself, but I mean like I brought the same level that I brought to the podcast Mm -hmm. to, you know, the job of like, you know, being on the episodes like every week and having that, you know, commitment and responsibility. I think you want to have that in work as like always being available and something that someone else taught me, I think in one of my law school classes, don't be afraid to be wrong Mm -hmm. because you will be wrong. You know, in the beginning levels, you don't really know as much as you should coming out of, like, the law school system. It's just totally different set of skills that you need. So especially when you're doing corporate law, as I'm doing. So it's kind of like not being afraid of being, like, timid to kind of, you know, send an email or ask a question. Mm -hmm. I think you'll be more efficient and at the same time you'll have more of a sense of ownership over what you do. Yeah. Because, like, those, if it's a defeat, you know, don't remember it. Just keep going on. But if it's, like, a victory, you know, that'll stay in your mind more, and you'll be like, all right, I don't want to feel like that again kind of idea. Yeah. And, you know, having that kind of mindset going into it, in addition to, like, the availability thing and... Well, and it's interesting because I... Someone was telling me this the other day. I'm trying to remember what... I think it was like a professor, I can't remember which professor, sort of said something about how law school, the institution basically puts a premium on like perfection and gets you in this mindset that if you're not perfect, that you're somehow categorically failing because the profession basically demands such high standards really across the board. And I mean, I'm sure in any any practice, you're going to have clients who just they expect a result. Like, they want a result. You can't really explain in a satisfactory way why things are not going well. People mm-hmm. don't like being told no. But I think, I mean, I'm not practicing yet, but I, even from the clinic, it's just a feeling like you still, you're going to learn the most from the things you don't do right. And you're going to feel great when you do them right. But I think when you're learning, it's like how, you know, you're not going to be perfect every time, right? That's what Yoda said. Yeah. Failure, <laughs> great teacher it is. <laughs> so it, you know, I think my particular workplace definitely strives for perfection, but at the more junior level, there's obviously flexibility to not be perfect. Sure. That's probably speaking, you know, even more highly than it's true at the junior level that it's perfectly fine if you're not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So how does law school compare with your working now? I mean, I know there's a lot of discussion, I think, when you're in law school in the thick of it that, oh, this is nothing, just wait until, you know, you're working at a firm. And I know there's different, you know, obviously depending on where you end up, I mean, because not everyone goes to a firm, but so far for you, Mm -hmm. in your experience, sort of generally, how does it sort of compare? I think toughest thing for me is getting up early every single day Mm -hmm. compared to uh, like that's back to 1L days I guess. Yeah basically. No 
But I mean, like, that's not a problem at all, especially because the legal industry ends up waking up very late, which is great. Um, but it's not like six in the morning or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't think I know anyone uh, coming from Fordham Law or anything like that that uh, has to do that. But um, I think it's not really comparable. And like, if I was doing litigation, maybe it would, would be more mm-hmm. of like you could kind of see the similarities because it's not like sometimes like there's some like publications or something that I would have to do like research or you know, case studies. Mm-hmm. But other than that, usually it's not. So, like, I guess it's similar to the clinic in a way, more just like, you know, client interaction. And I think I was doing more corporate things, not litigation in the clinic. I know you were in the tax part. I was, yeah. So that's also clinic. more, I don't know, was that more litigation? Yeah. Well, okay. it was all, I mean, the, the entirety of the work in the tax clinic is representing um, low-income taxpayers in the either New York State or a federal tax court and helping them sort of parse through their issues. And so, yeah, I mean, not necessarily all litigation to the extent of we're going to court. I uh-huh. mean, you try to resolve it before, you know, ideally Hopefully. before it gets to that. Ideally, yeah. Um, and, and try and help them with their debts. But New York State, I mean, all the people in government, they're all working normal working hours. So it's sort of, if you're going to be, like, I know when I had to meet with clients and some clients, they work interesting jobs and you need to be up kind of early to accommodate their schedules. Like, I definitely did, like, I definitely did a few 9.30 a.m. meetings or 8 a.m. meetings or, like, crazy timing for people who maybe had kids they needed to drop off or... Well, the beauty that I see is, like, in technology that that doesn't mean you have to be in. I think I did that with the clinic. Yeah. Like, just because maybe you're working on something doesn't mean you need to be, like, in the office. Right. At that time. Sometimes there is cases uh, where you need to be. But, you know, I guess it depends mm-hmm. on a case-by-case basis. There is still reading. It's just a different type of reading. Yeah. And it's somewhat like learning how important certain phrases are in words, in contracts, or, you know, different agreements. Mm-hmm. is, you know, challenging, but at the same time really interesting. Because that's something um, that I think I didn't really want to do litigation, like, at first. But I didn't have that much exposure to my field of capital markets, just some, you know, securities classes in law school. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really, you know, teach you anything about what the actual practice is. Mm-hmm. So getting exposure to it um, as a summer associate... I was saying, okay, this is something that, you know, is interesting to me. I want to learn more about it. And I think the best way to learn about it is, like, to start your career mm-hmm. there. Um, and, you know, I, I think I made a good decision that I, I like everything that I've been doing and, you know, have no complaints. Uh, and that's really the key to your 1L listeners, I guess 2L as well, that, you know, as a summer associate, try and find that. You know, whether it's something... That you already knew pre-planned, like you saw to kill a mockingbird, and you knew without a doubt you were going to be a litigator, just like the great Atticus. Still, and you like stuck that. <laughs> stuck to that. I wrote I wrote that in my uh, I think admittance letter or something like that. You're, oh, you're yeah. Yeah, to Fordham, something something about Atticus. I I think that, yeah, that was true. That's true. At the to time, because I didn't know what litigation was really. I didn't know there was yeah. corporate law. I think going but, into law school. That's what I think people think. I mean, people think of like. They think of To Kill a Mockingbird, or they think of 
Law and Order, or they think of Legally Blonde, or they think of every like movie or they've ever seen. Roman or... J. Israel Esquire, the Oscar movie no one saw. Oh my god! <laughs> you know right, why they... I saw that? Because of oh, why? Because well, you're a because, movie buff. Because I have Movie Pass now. Oh my gosh! Well, this... so <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, this is probably a good segue then into our next topic. Um, So I know we had been talking, well, first of all, I know this is just a sort of more personal interest of yours. I mean, I know. Movie Pass is because, so I still try and like review the movies, you know, if I have time slash if I still feel like motivated into it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm just like, I got, I have nothing particularly you know, different or new to say about a movie. So that's when I'm like, I'll let some uh, someone else on the staff of uh, Motion Picture Club, motionpictureclubs.com, got to get, you know, oh, yeah. endorsements out of the yeah, way. Of I'll let someone else, you know, say it or do it. So that's where, you know, MoviePass does not sponsor this uh, podcast in any way. It's a great deal. that I think it's down to like seven fifty a month. It's really you, affordable. It's I like a movie a day it. if you want. Yeah. But there was just from reading the news, I saw that, uh, you know, maybe you know more about this than I. I just saw this as like the CEO was saying something that they were like tracking all the users' locations. And then I got an email the other day from MoviePass saying this was incorrect. That this was just like he spoke out of turn. And I believe the person that said it apologized for it. So the thing I I sort of read quickly, there was a story about the privacy issues with MoviePass. So I guess MoviePass has been tracking their users' locations and sort of in a continuous manner. This is where the details of who know what become sort of unclear to me because Mm -hmm. I get the sense, at least I got the sense from reading the news story that I read, was that they, in fact, were tracking everyone's locations all the time, but they weren't, first of all, they were doing it in a very, like, anonymous way. Mm-hmm. And also they were doing it, I think, for the reason of using your location to market a movie generally. In other words, they're looking at where you are and they're aggregating all this information across all of their users and then they're going, okay, well... Everybody is seeing Black Panther in, like, maybe they're really seeing it, like, a lot, lot in this one neighborhood. So, like, Mm -hmm. let's, you know, let's push it in these other neighborhoods where maybe people are not going as much. Or, like, let's push this other movie. So, I think that was sort of, at least that was, like, the justification that I think that they used. Yes. But I know, so when all this sort of broke, I think, you know, obviously, like, a lot of users were pretty upset by this because they were not expecting that they were going to be constantly tracked. Which to me, I I get this information and I'm just sort of incredulous because I feel like when you have these technologies, at least I expect this, maybe I am naive, but I feel like when I have an app on my phone yes. and I do appreciate now being prompted and asked if I want my location to be used... But I kind of expect, I just kind of expect that that's being, that's being done all the time anyway. And you're not going to get all the benefits from the app, I guess. Like, I don't even know. I don't think MoviePass works if you don't use the location. I know. I feel like you kind of but, have to. So, I mean, obviously, it's, it's easily resolved by the terms of service, terms of use. But, you know, 
problem is so many people don't read them. That's true. You know? So the whole thing is, from what I read, it just was like, it's only using it just to make sure you're near the movie theater, which is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. There is an actual, like, another monetary stream from a business perspective. But as long as, you know, it seems like they're not tracking when it's not being used. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not as, as egregious as, as it gre- could have been. Yeah, and that's interesting because we're talking about, I've been taking information law this uh, semester, and we're okay. talking about privacy. And I can't remember the case where they had... Um, like the GPS they put underneath mm-hmm. the guy's car. I can't remember the name of this case. Someone will remember. Someone listening to this will remember what it is. But I, I, I could understand in a specific situation like that. And also like before we all have a smartphone, you know? Yeah. If we are talking about 10 years ago, I get how there's this, it's very, that would be very invasive. I just don't feel, I just don't feel like it's, especially in the landscape right now, that this is so egregious. I mean, do you do you sort of sense, I guess, users of MoviePass, they're really not necessarily thinking about the fact that they're being tracked. Did you, when you got it, did you consider that? I mean, if they were, if they were actually, like, now, right? I'm not using it. Yeah. And if it was, like, tracking my location when I'm not using it, I I think what you're saying that, like, you just expect that to be the norm because we're, like, aware of all the, like, violations, let's say, of privacy in the world. So I wouldn't be shocked, right? But I didn't expect it. Yeah. I feel like they had to use the location because, um, like, that's how the app works from what I understand that, like, you need to be so close to the movie theater in order to check in. Right. Like, in order to get the ticket. So... The problem is once you have that data, you're probably not just going to get rid of it because you already consented to giving it up. The problem is that you consent to store it, and they're probably going to look at it as how many people would actually not get our product because of that extra consent. Yeah. You know, so it's like probably – there probably is a contingent out there Mm -hmm. that won't, but it won't be significant. And – because I took privacy law. That's where all this is coming from. And – I think it's more of a cultural thing mm-hmm. that I remember there was a video that um, the professor showed where it basically was like so many people would give up their privacy probably for like a free coffee or free cookie mm-hmm. that if you, you know, if they said we have the ability to use this, this and this, if you sign these things away, we'll give you, you know, a cookie. Mm-hmm. Most people will. And mm-hmm. that's very depressing, but... That's the value of privacy, you know, in our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever else, society. Multi-platforms. Multi-platforms. Yeah. But. Yeah, I would tend to agree. So now you were saying there was a movie on MoviePass you could use to go see it. You say it was Black Panther? Yes. Now, there's something going on with Black Panther recently, isn't there? Yeah, well, actually, before I... Have you seen it? You've seen yeah, it, right? Well, I haven't seen it yet. There was a uh, firm event for Black Panther. Really? That they have. That's, That's why I, I made sure that the job I went to did advanced screenings ahead of time. Oh, I see. That but, was uh, primary so part factor. Of it. Yeah. Primary factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, so yes, got to see Black Panther early. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. Maybe I'll write a review. There's something I wanted to say about it, but then I was like, I'm not sure. So eventually, hopefully, if I 
have some time and feel something, something about it. I'll, yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe write something out. Well, it's doing really well. I mean, it's it's kind of amazing. And I think sort of in the wake of its huge success, there's more discussions about the licensing situation between I think Universal and Disney. Now, you actually wrote your blog post yes. way back when. I think it was... <laughs> What, like February 2016, I want to say, the date wow, was when yeah. I checked it out? It's pretty... Yeah. yeah. I so, mean, I, I, look, the first blog post was good, but it didn't have as many, like, links. Like, I remember I was in the library for a couple of hours trying to find, like, whatever the agreement... I think it was, like, a, you know, SEC disclosure or something mm-hmm. like that where I found, like, the ultimate fact that, like, mm-hmm. decided this whole thing. Uh, just because I was like, oh, maybe I'll run for, like, online editor. Got to have a good blog post. Got to have some good representation. Sure. Yes. So the blog post was about, you know, the Universal Studios and Walt Disney World and Florida, you know, theme park situation. Because before, you know, the big mouse, Mickey Mouse, owned Spider-Man and Marvel and the rest of uh, Marvel Comics, Marvel sold their um, IP rights in theme parks, I think, east of the Mississippi to Universal Studios, basically. Oh, wow. Because there was a, like, you can't, like, non-compete for any other organization to have anything east of the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. That was that was what I found, and uh, I believe it's confirmed. I would have to go back to the sources in that article. But, uh, the, like, whenever this comes up, it's always not entirely clear because you could kind of interpret the contract in different ways. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I was looking at was um, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That right. Technically, because they're in the park, right? So they have shown up in the park. So when I wrote this, they were like one of those walk-around characters, mm-hmm. kind of like Mickey Mouse or one of those guys. But they never had a ride... There was never anything permanent. It was only right. like fleeting, like for a couple of weeks or something like that. Then California, which there's no restriction on California. That's west of Mississippi. Yes. I'm pretty good at geography. That's it. Uh, but like me and Roman numerals. Yeah, yes. You got that yes. going for you. So that one, you could do whatever you want, Marvel. They introduced them, I, I don't know, right away, but I think like Thor has meet and greets. And then the permanent attraction, this was made after... Maybe it was in contemplation when I wrote the article, but the Tower of Terror over there, which is like a drop ride, Mm -hmm. they made it Guardians of the Galaxy themed. The one in Florida did not get that change, but it was announced that there's a Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster Mm -hmm. coming to Epcot. So really, that's like the first permanent attraction. I think the furthest that um, Disney got was this Iron Man monorail. Okay. That just went into the... I think originally it went into the park, and Universal got mad. So they ended up putting it not... It went just around the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the way the uh, railroad... Mo- I don't know what... What's that? I guess is it a railroad? A monorail? Because it's a in monorail. the air. So it's the, uh, the track. Yeah. I guess the okay. track. The, yeah. the monorail track never went into the park, even though it had like an Iron Man 3 commercial. Mm-hmm. Which really, that's really pedestrian. That it was just a commercial, and they got kind of mad. I think, I think it was like a testing, testing the waters kind of idea. But um, other than that, I don't think there was anything else like Marvel related. And what is more to the fact, 
they're still not sure if they could use like the words Marvel. And there's like a whole other interpretation issue whether Guardians of the Galaxy was contemplated at the beginning of this contract because mm-hmm. it's like they're not really in that Universal Park at all. There's there a difference between the movie version versus the comic book cartoon version? Yes. Kind of idea. And, you know, like, there's no answers to any of these things. It's just things that, like, I guess I pondered as a student. And it looks like it's coming up again because, you know, Black Panther's a huge success. Yeah. Probably want to put it in the park. I would, I mean, yeah, I would think so. You wouldn't really know because you didn't see it. Well, that's true. The beauties of Wakanda. You do have, It's like yeah. a whole technological city. So you could do a lot of uh, nice theming. I mean, graduation's in what, like two months? So I'll see it. You got nothing else after graduation, right? Not like a huge exam coming up. I know, right? (laughs) I don't have to take the bar exam this summer or anything. Okay. um, So, I mean, my big question in all of this is Disney has deep pockets. I mean, they have a lot of sway here. I'm a little, I'm just wondering why they're sort of tiptoeing around and we're speculating, of course. Mm, yeah. This is total speculation. But why do you think that there's so much back and forth over this? Why they haven't just gone and tried to figure out some way out of this agreement? I mean, I can't speak to that at all. I think it's more just possibly is there a price that Universal would even take? And it, I, I think to a point, Disney doesn't may, maybe think that it needs to because... There's there's something to say that maybe it's better it's exclusive to California. Mm-hmm. It's there's a reason to because look is Avatar who I think Disney technically owns that now after the Fox deal, but they have attractions in Animal Kingdom. There's no confirmation at all that those rides are gonna come to California. Yeah. So maybe it's just better where it's like, will you know Star Wars is coming to both because it's Star Wars. So I think that's the kind of idea when you like value IP, which is when you look at the theme parks essential to a lot of the theme parks that are like super successful. You need to have good intellectual property that you can base like whole themed lands around. Possibly Marvel is that strong of a product that you would want, you know, pay any price. There's a lot of different business reasons why you wouldn't or why you would, mm-hmm. you know, want to get those rights, I guess, any price. But, I don't know. You can only speculate. It's also sort of interesting to me because I just think the average person's experience with a theme park is so limited because you're going to go there for a vacation or a trip, right? It's very different from when you think about merchandising or when you think about movies. Like, that's something that anybody can access. I think that we're talking about, like, you know, I'm not, I haven't been to Orlando since I was a kid. I haven't been to California. I haven't been to any theme parks in California. I guess I can't answer that question. I mean, well, but some some people travel more than others. I'm just saying, I know some people (laughs) who travel more than others. I'm just saying, I feel like, I mean, it just sort of, I, I know they feel this is important to them, obviously, because Universal Studios is, they're trying to make money on their own gig. They've got their own park that yeah. they're trying to preserve. They got Harry Potter. That's true. They got that Have kid. you been to Harry Potter World? Oh yeah, a bunch of times. Oh my gosh, what am I See, doing? Maybe you should go back there. Yeah. 
Uh, Wait, are you trying to say like it's not that much money in it? Oh, well, I don't, there's I just there's don't know tons. how much money there is in it. Oh, there's a lot of money. I mean, why. is that something There that was you... a period where I think Universal thought about this a little bit more, but if you couldn't really make an attraction or like a whole theming thing out of a franchise, there was a question whether you should go through with that franchise. Really? Because it's like... It's just, so I think the Harry Potter world is what started that. But it's such a revenue generator even after the movies are gone. Wow. And then, like, you know, now Fantastic Beasts, which I think their trailer just got released recently. Just like this week, I think. Yeah, Yeah. so. Okay. Well, man, I got to look into this. I And I got to maybe get tickets to go to Orlando this summer or something. Maybe not this summer. The summer. The I don't know. I mean, like. The weather's pretty bad. It was a pit stop during my bar trip. Don't make it the bar trip. No. Don't, yeah, don't make Florida the bar trip. That's a whole other podcast, I think. But, (laughs) like, you know, it's important things. This is where you should be, you should be plotting that out now, before graduation. Yeah, we'll see. Because you don't want to do it while you're studying. No, no, I know, I know. I know some people that did, I was like, no, I didn't do that. I only did a few podcasts, but. While you were studying for the bar? Yeah, I did the one with Tam. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right, we got to talk offline about this. I think we talk about the bar during that a lot. Wow. There's like people that go back and listen to that episode. There's a lot of bar jokes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I can understand trying to come up with other things to distract yourself. I'm a little... Do I have... Anthony, okay. Since you just took it, be honest. What am I in for here? Is it really as bad as everybody says? It's bad, right? I I don't think it's as bad... Because, you know, coming from Fordham, there's very high, you know, passage rate. True. So I think the exam is tough, and it's like studying for it is tough. But more likely than not, you know, looking at the percentages, you're going to pass. So it's more just of like, don't think you're going to fail going in. Mm -hmm. Don't be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Just give it your best shot. More likely than not, you know, you picked up a couple of things, you know, here, really and then hope. Barbary helped you out the rest of the way, or whatever, yeah. you know, law, law school prep service you're using. You should use wanna, a service. I don't want to buzz market any of them, yeah. just in case anyone is listening. Just to, like whatever, whichever one keeps you ready. Gave MoviePass a free plug, so that's like, true. Whichever one keeps you like focused, keeps you on your schedule, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's a tough exam, but I don't think it's insanely difficult to pass at the same time yeah you know yeah like you can as you know from law school you can do really well on really tough exams that's true you know sometimes you want a tougher exam Mm -hmm. while in law school yeah okay well i actually think we're sort of running out of time a little bit but i guess anthony i didn't maybe know if there's anything else you wanted to talk about sort of the alumni network how maybe people should be utilizing that. I know that's sort of part of why. So I would like for this to sort of be, and I mean, I'll put this in the episode. I have really enjoyed being a member of IPLJ, especially because I feel that now, even as I'm about to graduate, I know that I'm going to go out into the world and have lots of contacts. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel true. like... Um, even just working with you last year, I feel like was really great. And, you know, we're recording this right now. And I hope this is maybe like a tradition that people will continue. Who knows? Yeah. In fact, you know, we should do like a bigger one. Maybe I'll tell Patrick we do like a bigger one and have like Dewey come on in. Dewey? 
Oh, get man. everybody in on I this. I don't even know. Did I ever get Dewey on it? You should have. I don't even... No, I, we tried to. Really? I, I remember something happened once. I don't even know if he's ever been on it. Because he was like the biggest cheerleader of uh, the podcast. He's so, so cool. Because I mean, I we like... owe everything to him because he made the website. I know. So it's like... Please. Thanks, Dewey. You did such a good job. <laughs> I'm getting credit for your work for 100%. We do, like, the online editor summit. Yeah, that, right? Like, yeah. Would be, like, really cool. Like, an online editor roundtable. Anyway, okay. <laughs> We're putting this in the record for later. But um, now that you're an alum, how are you feeling about your experience I think boredom? the mural on the wall is true. You know, that the, alumni network. The network effect. The network effect. It, it was established when I was a 3L. Many, like, so Christina's laughing right now. Aren't you on a pod? This is how radio, you need to describe those things. I know. Okay, okay. So, Sorry, this is, this is not a visual medium. So, <laughs> so the network effect, okay. So maybe I can take a picture and post it in, like, the show notes. Yes, so, so we can so do that. there's a big, I guess, vinyl. It's a mural, right? It's not kind really of... a mural, but it's, like, a vinyl... It's like on the wall of the third floor of the law school or something, and it's it's really it talks about sort of essentially the benefits of being a Fordham alum, and that it's about to open up this huge network of people yeah. who represent like the big guy on Wall Street and the little guy on Main Street, and like all sorts of it's it's just like really. Oh, oh I never oh, actually read oh, it. Oh, Fordham! So. I mean, it's just oh man, and I I just. I'm laughing at it now because I remember going to um, Follies last year, which was this very popular sort of we're going to razz Fordham and make fun of this school. And there was this terrific video, and they made fun of the network effect because no one knows, I'm not going to curse, what the heck it is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I so I never actually read the mural, so that's why I just was like... But it's like Assuming, really, it's very that. Hey, though. we have a great network. Yeah, that's that's what I took it as, and they just wanted to call it the network effect. The network. Effect. I mean, they should have just called it the effect. I know. See what people would have caught it. What uh, I think it was, you know, depending on when you post this, like either last week or a couple weeks ago, that this will go up they, at the end of end of May. Okay. Yeah. So. So we're in March couple, now. Co- so like a couple months ago. Yeah. Yeah, that, that'll work. Yeah. There was the Fordham Alumni Lunch. Yeah. Right? So with that, you really see, like, the actual, like, alumni network in effect. Because that's, like, probably the biggest event. It's huge. Right? Yeah. Because it was at uh, Cipri- Cipriani? Yeah. Cipriani? I don't yeah. know how you say it, but on yeah. 42nd Street. And, like, they filled up the whole place. Wow. And it's, like, in the middle of the afternoon, too, on, like, a Friday. So... You kind of, you know, see, because, I mean, I see it at, like, um, at my firm all the time. There's a lot of Fordham attorneys, and once they hear you're from Fordham, they always, you know, want to get a coffee or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you could see, like, the mentoring involved and stuff like that. Like, you know, Fordham people really look out for other Fordham people, yeah. which I think that's great. And, you know, that's why, like, I crashed the uh, IPLJ bar night a couple of months ago. That's what you got to do. So you to, as an alumni, you got to be mean, more it's involved. Cool. I, I, hey, I'm glad that we've stayed connected, Anthony. I really am. No, really. She's seriously. like, why did you crash that event? No. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Wow. I'm cutting this part out. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. 
This is the most I have laughed recording one of these. All right. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. I'm so glad you're back to mm-hmm. do this episode with us. And yeah, I'll come back every year. I I would t- I mean I look I don't know who's listening to this but I love the podcast and I hope it continues to move up in the ranks I feel like I've you know how are we doing on the ranks Oh I mean we have listeners That's... we have we have hundreds of listeners apparently I wonder if they were like mad over the summer or something because you know um, we don't, don't post know. over the summer because well, I did feel like I had listeners and then I wonder maybe they still kept around yeah, hopefully but we have. Well, so I was like, I'm not gonna do it with the bar. I'll do. I'll give you like one episode. No, uh, you don't have. I mean, I think I listen to plenty of podcasts that uh-huh. do seasons, which is I think what we should do. That's true. I mean, season two. Four episodes a year. Two. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Anthony. Of course, anytime. <laughs>